Last week we were discussing the fact that there are those that do not believe there is a God. They think anyone, meaning you and me, are foolish. They think that we've got the brain of a gnat and that we are easily deceived. And it can be anyone, any family. I was visiting with a minister that used to be in Kwana, and he said every time he showed up with his wife at a family gathering, such as Thanksgiving, her two brothers would pounce on him and tell him how stupid it is and how small he must be intellectually because he does believe what's written in this Bible. Last week we spent the whole time talking about the reality. The reality that there is a God. Not that I needed to tell you that, but it's just a reinforcement. Because sooner or later you're going to get hit with this. This is, this is not something that is going away because it's been there even as I read this morning in the book of Psalms. That was the feeling then, and there's so many things. Yes, we've progressed so far in travel and our living condition, etc., etc. But there's some things that are still the same. There are still those doubters. I'll just give you a quick comeback. Sing to the Lord. Music. Notes, stanzas, verses. Do you think this book could create itself? Could it just create itself? If, if we said, hey book, pointing to an empty place in the pew, create me a hymnal. Can that happen? If I was to say, okay, piano, you're nice. We'd like to have two of you. How about creating me another one? How about piano bench? How about another one? Can anything start from zero and create itself? Can it? You know, we have beautiful roses. But somewhere there was a beginning. And then the horticulturists, those that understand plants, planting them... And then they also would do the mutations where their different colors are blended in colors. But they didn't start from zero. And neither did you and I. You see, it wasn't some fish that swam up on the, the beach. And of course, you could say, well, where did that fish come from? It wasn't something that we evolved from mutation. For if you start with zero, such as this universe, there is something behind it. And that something is God. God in His infinite wisdom created all of this from zero. You can have a scientist says we can create man. Let me get a little bit of sand over here for the body. No, no, you don't understand. God started with zero. Nothing. Nothing. The skeptics never go there. But you can. God is the creator of all of this, 
and he gave us the freedom of choice beginning with Adam and Eve, and we can either mess it up, and we're real good at doing that, or we can clean it up. And that's our job as Christians, to go to those that need help. Go to those that are hurting, being our brother's keeper. That's not original, not from Wayne, it's biblical. So, last week we discussed, and the reason I'm doing this is because I know there are skeptics, and I'm making the assumption week in and week out that you're cool with this, that there is a creator, there is a God, but I know so many times I wouldn't have had a comeback, even though I was in church every Sunday, I wouldn't have had a comeback to somebody that just started calling me names and saying how stupid I was because I believed in God. So I thought, okay, let's take a time out here. Let's take a look at what we really have. And so last week, we established, yes, there is a God. Of course, you already knew that. Also, there is this Bible. We believe, and I hope you do, and there's been times that I wasn't smart enough to understand that each and every word in this Bible is inspired by God. Yes, humans put the words down on paper or on on whatever they had to write on with chalk or uh, whatever, coal. But anyway, they put the words down. But without a doubt, I know that those individuals were inspired by God. As they wrote there, they were feeling that Holy Spirit. And I know I have felt that Holy Spirit so many times, like right now, that I know I'm not standing up here alone, that He is with me, that He is with me. Little information about the Bible. The Bible is read by more people in the world than any other book. It is translated in more than 400 languages, and some parts of it, such as Psalms, Proverbs, some parts of it in 2,500 languages. United Bible uh, Societies distribute distributed 633 million portions of scriptures in the year, one year, in the year 2000. Distributed 633 million. The Gideons distributed 56 million. Bibles internationally, 56 million by the Gideons in year 2000 alone. Its website says they have distributed in their time of existence, this is Gideons, overall 1.9 billion overall. There's a lot of Bibles. They're being smuggled into countries where they are not supposed to be People are risking their lives to distribute Bibles this very moment, this very day, because they have so much faith in the Word of God. They are literally risking their life 
you and I are blessed. We don't know what that's like. We don't know how it feels to have ISIS moving in on you and knowing that if they get to where you live, they will behead you. When I was in uh, Oklahoma City, spoke to a young lady, 20-something, that she had escaped one of those countries in which all of this was taking place. By herself, she got out of the country. She doesn't know anything about her family today. But she said, one Sunday morning, their minister, the minister's son, went into the church, open it up, get the heat going or whatever, open it up for everybody, opens up the church office, and his father's head was on the desk. His father's head. They're willing to risk literally everything so they can have what you have and I have. Freedom. Freedom of speech. Freedom of worship. There are 66 books in this Bible. About 40 authors in at least three languages. And when I say about 40 authors, if you look at books such as Psalms, you'll find part of it is written by David and other parts they're not sure who wrote some of the others. But about 40 authors to this book of 66 books. And it was written in a period of over 1,500 years. 1,500 years it took to write all of this. And there is a voice behind the author's voice. And the voice is that of God. God is leading and directing these simple people. These simple people, many of them such as the disciples that did not have the formal education. Paul did. But you're looking at many others that were fishermen or other laborers. But what they had was a connection with God. And they had a story after they were with Jesus. They had a story. And the government was not going to deny them the right to write it down. And then thousands of years later, assembled into this book. This book and the pages of it are filled with blood. Blood of those that felt like it was worth writing down the story at any and all cost. To tell about their Jesus Christ. And tell about the Lord and what He has done in their life. The Old Testament has many philosophers... It has many of those that prophesize. And when you look at these, now it is historical. But at the time that they were doing it, they were writing down what was on their heart. And what was on their heart was from God. And they were prophesizing what would take place. And so many of them have already taken place and some of them within a hundred years or so after their death came to fruition. And you can look, if you, if you have a study Bible, 
you can look in the margins and it will tell you where it relates to another book in the Bible. And I'm going to share two or three with you just to give you an idea. But they were prophesizing. There are those that still, those that are challenging it, like I said earlier. But you've heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls. They are still finding scrolls over there in Israel in those caves. And when they find them, like they say, this, this person couldn't have written it because they didn't have any tools. Well, they'll find something else that was written at the same time. So it disputes that, that there was no means to write down what they had uh, written and been credited with. Time after time after time, there are, fi- there are findings that show, yes, yes, this could have been just as it says. And the prophecies came from God. Came from God. Again in Psalms, the 15th chapter, the first verse Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one who walks in blamelessness, who does what is righteous who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongues utters no slanders, no casts, nor slurs, who keeps an oath even when it hurts. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. If we do what God has asked us to do in the Old and New Testament, if we try... To do it. There's, there's not a one of us, and God knows it, that, that there's not a one of us that are, are without sin. There's not a one of us that haven't made mistakes. And there's not a one of us that cannot go to Jesus Christ for forgiveness. Not a one of us. For He is there for all of His believers. His words, we may not understand each and every word, but the words we do understand get our attention, don't they? Say, whoops, he's writing about me. How did he know I'd done that? He knows. He knows. At this very moment, he knows. In the book of Luke, the 20th chapter, 17th verse, says, Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning that which is written, the stone of the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? We're not going to discuss what was written there, but if you look back into Psalms, the 118th chapter and 22nd verse. Psalms now. Hundreds of years before Jesus' response to the question. It was written in the book of Psalms. It was the prophecy of what would happen. In Luke, the 20th chapter. 
you read that this cup, and this was Christ at the, in the upper room, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. And we remember that each and every Sunday. And you can look in Exodus and see in the 24th chapter, the 8th verse, that it was mentioned there. Isaiah 42.6, Jeremiah 31.31. These are just a few of the references to the Old Testament. And yet, many, many did not even speak the same language. And it was written over that 1,500 years. They didn't know each other. They couldn't uh, collaborate with each other. There was no way they could even have communicated with each other. In this day that we have the phones, the computers, and all of these means of communications, it seems so foreign that the only way they could communicate is talking. And yes, some people did write, and it was a, a labor of love. But because of that, we have this Bible. And this Bible, if you started reading, and I was one of the authors that I was that I was studying said he had read the whole Bible in a year. That was his his mission. But then he decided that he was going to read it just like you would read a novel. So he read it from beginning to end in two months. He read the whole Bible. And he says when he did that, he could see the connection from book beginning in... uh, in the Genesis to Revelation, he could see the theme throughout. But when he read it slowly, one at a time, it wasn't so obvious. You know, it's kind of like you're so close to the forest, you can't see the trees. Uh, or you're so close to the trees, you can't see the forest. Let's go with that one. So you're so close to that one page, you don't understand. There's a whole new world out there. And they relate to each other. And the Old Testament keeps talking about a Messiah. That is a common theme from the very beginning of Genesis. Not every page, but throughout it's a common theme that there will be a Savior that will. That will die for our sins. The very good Jewish leaders did their best to live according to the law. But if we try to live by the laws, that's action. Such as, every day I'm going to read a book of the Bible. That's an action. That doesn't get me any closer to God or Jesus. It's what is in our hearts that makes the difference in the world we live in. How we treat people. Not because we have Ph.D. after our name, but how we treat people. And it's great to have the Ph.D. after your name. You've studied hard, you've worked hard. But that's not going to get you to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only one that's going to get you to heaven. And they were predicting it in the Old Testament and the fulfillment in the New Testament. And then we had the letters talking about it and describing it. 
and individuals that were willing to die then for the Word. And today, we have individuals that believe in it so completely, without any doubt, that they are willing to die for the words that are on the pages of that book. Yes, there is a God. He is a loving God. And yes, this Word is His Word. Each and every one of them. Inspired by God Himself. And the New Testament by Jesus Christ who is God. Next week we'll look at the New Testament alone. And the fulfillment of the prophecies of thousands of years prior to His existence and how He, one man, one man, change this world. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, dear Lord, for those that were listening to you, those that were faithful to you, those who were inspired by you to write down the words that we study each and every week, each and every day. Go with us, Lord. We ask for wisdom so that we understand the words as they are presented and that we have the wisdom to study and learn and grow in the word so that we can be stronger Christians day by day. We pray this in your name, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. Amen.